Welcome to the No Guts, No Galaxy MechWarrior Podcast, number 10. My name is Phil, and I'll be your host tonight. It is January 11th, 2012. Thank you for uh, correcting me on that, guys, last week. I totally messed that one up. Anyways, we've got a, a host again of guys here. And Darren, you want to kick off the shout-outs tonight? Yeah, this is uh, Darren, a.k.a. Bombadil. I'd like to give a shout-out uh, to your mom and Tom Selleck. <laughs> All right. Brandon, who you got tonight? Uh, tonight, I want to give my shout out to a good friend of mine, Marbo Belric, and another one, uh, Sweets833. All right, all right. Belric, I'd like to give a shout out to you, too. He's uh, he's inquired about what we're doing uh, for MWO as a, as a group and a unit as well. All right, and Greg, who do you got tonight? Uh, everyone in the My Little Pony fan community that's doing music remixes and stuff. Just some amazing work. Kept me bumping pretty much all this past weekend. Um, DJ Alex S, among others. Rainbow Crash 88. Alright, now we just gotta get them into Max, I guess. Even if they do bring the ponies. And, uh, yeah, I'd like to give a shout-out to all the groups in EVE who, uh, who just give a shit. They just don't care. They're just going out there and PvP and, and uh, some good videos out there recently of, of groups. All right, guys, we're going to move on to uh, No Guts, No Galaxy. Uh, we actually found a web designer. Um, I'd like to welcome uh, Adam, a.k.a. Seth. He goes on forums. He also has done the uh, uh, MechWarrior Wiki uh, page. Uh, he's going to be working with uh, the group and uh, uh, expanding. So uh, look uh, in the future, probably about a week or two, um, we'll be... It'll be totally redone, more functional, and hopefully bringing you a easier uh, a way to get information uh, from us and whatnot. And uh, I'd like to also give a, a thanks and a shout out to MechWarrior Living Legends. Um, they actually posted um, us on their front page, home page. Uh, you know, I like the whole scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Appreciate it, Lear. Um, and if you haven't checked out MWL again, we, we can't praise it enough. Go check it five dollars to get like the damn uh uh crisis wars or warhead whatever so um um i'd also like to let you guys know that we're fixing our youtube and with our new website all that youtube itunes all that will be integrated we're just not doing it right now because well one i'm not a web guru and this guy is so uh but podcast eight and nine we're redoing um we're gonna try to have music but we're we're having the whole youtube issue of you know plagiarism and using people's materials and whatnot so uh, uh our our scottish uh, guy is working on that and it may or may not have music so don't be too mad if it doesn't so let's move on to uh to today's information um all of us here pretty much uh read the uh dev interview uh if you didn't uh you fail um so Let's let's take a few things. There was really nothing new, um, and that's the sort of idea or things I took out of it. It was nothing solid information of you know, ooh, this is a new shiny thing, or ooh, this is that. Um, is that sort of what you got out of it, Darren? I woke up wanting to see a new mech at the least, and at the most, you know, something like a in-game screenshot. Um, didn't so much want to see another wall of text, but you know, I read it. 
I actually did read some interesting new stuff in there. Did anyone else pick up that this might be on Xbox? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, the Legend of the Xbox name slip yet. Yeah, that was dropped. Um, <clears throat> I thought it was very nice to read their impressions of the tabletop game and previous games. Just reinforces for me that they're coming from a good place in terms of the intellectual property. Okay, so, you know, I think it, it solidified a few things, and again, uh, for those out there, and even the dev team, uh, we did, I mean, obviously we appreciate anything, um, and there was some things that I think solidified, I mean, uh, and we'll talk about that in a minute as far as radar, line of sight, which I think oh, oh, is... Oh, also, they also, what? What? they answered our question, remember we had a big discussion last week about the battle grid and what exactly that was basically yeah. confirmed that right. he's going to fill up the whole screen for the commander and that you do need to have to watch his back that's so awesome. i don't know if they're listening to this podcast but uh <laughs> turn it into the radio of record over here yeah yeah and and like i said um i i, I agree with darren um uh and i guess it's just sort of how we are nowadays as people online if I have to read, of course, I'm a fan, and what we do, you know, I have to read. I'm going to read everything. I'm going to get everything out of it if I can, but it, I, I do like podcasts. I like hearing people's voices. I like hearing all that, and I think it adds uh, to a level. Now, granted, they don't have time. Cool. Put text up there. Uh, you know, uh, let these guys focus on the game first once it comes out, you know, and then they'll have a little bit more free room. Um, so let, let's dive into the interview a little bit more. Now, obviously... This uh, had Dave Bradley, Brian Ekman, and Paul uh, Nui. I don't know how to. Say. Sorry, Paul, if I tell you. <laughs> Obviously, you guys already know I can't pronounce names. Uh, what was that dude's name? Sweet. Uh, I'm not even going to go there. Um, so they basically gave their background, um, you know, and then they dived into what do they like about the development as far as MWO, uh, what their strengths, weaknesses, what they're bringing to the table. Um, Favorite and, ice cream. Yeah, uh, favorite ice cream. No. And <laughs> then they started getting into the, the details, like uh, Greg just said, and stuff that I, I started picking out. And the one thing I want to hit on is the line of sight. Now, uh, Darren, me and you were having a discussion earlier, and you were like, well, you know, it, it, it seems like they're... They're talking if they about just, things. They start off with the premise that it's line of sight. If you don't see them, you don't see them. But then there's the except when, and then after that, it to me feels like maybe not so different from what we've already experienced in, it, you know, at least MWLL, uh, if not any earlier versions, you know, because if your buddy sees a mech, you're going to see the mech. If radar picks it up, you're going to see the mech. If you have some device out there to detect movement, you're going to see the mech. So, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, and, and, and then my retort to Darren is, I think it's going to be completely different. I think what we're going to see is something, because uh, you got to put yourself actually, you know, uh, I know we don't have the game, but uh, if you sort of visualize, right now all the mech games, for the most part, they've had active passive radar. Um, I think with what they're trying to pull off, every mech is going to have radar, and if you see it, you're, you're targeting it, it'll pick it up. Um, and I think that'll be the only way this really works, but... With mechs having an arc of radar, you know, and this basically means is from the center of your mech's chest outwards, we don't know the degrees, we don't know how big of a, an arc it is, um, that if you see it, if, if Darren is off, you know, 500 meters away in a hunchback and, and I see him, but then he goes behind a building, 
I no longer have a line of sight. My targeting system is going to keep on him for a few more seconds, and then boom, he's gone. That has never been done in any previous titles. And so, and then I think it's going to add a very dynamic and unique thing, because just like we were talking about last week, Greg, is uh, you throw in some of these uh, false positives on the radar. You throw in how important it is to have eyes on your target darren and you know like you said if your buddy can keep an eye on them that means everyone else can but if they can't you lose that information and i think that's the key difference and sort of this um type of play style that'll be so important and you can almost imagine in in an urban or even in a realistic environment where there's trees and buildings It'd be just sort of a whirlwind of action going on, and you really have to pay attention to what your eyes and what your sensors see, because if you don't, you're going to have that Hunchback 20 pop up behind you and just lay waste to your ass. I mean, that's... What I really liked was that comment regarding if you have a unit that uh, or Lance that has good comms, you know, team speak or whatever, then they might not need as much in is in the way of electronics, which means that they can then you know pack more of a punch. I think that's pretty cool because I love good comms. I mentioned earlier um, when for for tank training and a lot of the military training we go into. Uh, even infantry tactics, uh, when you line up in a squad and, and you're marking up, and even in tanks, formations, even if it's just a regular line formation, you can almost imagine mechs in a line formation. I know this is sound crazy, but it'd be really cool. The front mech basically has a 90 to 180 degree view. Basically, he's covering what's in front. The guy next to him would be covering the left or right sectors. The guy after him would be covering whatever the second mech isn't. And the guy in the back would for the most part, trying to be watching their back. And so the same thing can be said. If if information and radar and line of sight is so important for this game, making sure you're paying attention to those areas um, is is just, I think it's it's, a, it's almost a, a gimme. I mean, Brandon and uh, Greg, I mean, Woody, have you played any other games that it's, it's that really important to, you know, keep those, you know, areas watched and all that i've really recently not so much uh, i think as far as other mech warrior games um well, it just in games living, in general i mean oh just it, other not games even. in general uh geez probably not for what they're explaining here though i kind of picture it a little bit more like uh, living legends where all your data unless you have eyes on them becomes older and unreliable that's about yeah. it league of legends has a fog of war feature that's doesn't quite get at this since there's no real radar feature in League of Legends. It's a very different genre, but if you do have, say, uh, some sort of area of effect view of something, like, say, your little scout NPCs have walked down there, after they get blown up, you'll still have vision there for like a second or two, but it fades extremely quickly. Yeah, and the difference uh, for those who've played like MechWarrior 2, 3, um, MechWarrior 4, yeah, you could go passive and active, and if you're active, um, you know, obviously you could see the targets around you unless they were passive up to a certain range. And even with MWL, and you guys know this, uh, Darren, especially me and you, playing competitively in MWL, uh, with certain mechs having GCM um, and the ability to stay active and relay that information, uh, you know, like the, the Hellbringer Prime, Loki Prime, 
Um, it's one of my favorite mechs. It, it's it's soft. It can't take a whole lot of damage. It can dish out a lot. But the electronics are where it comes in. I mean, being able to, for me, commanding whoever, just to just to have that input right there in front of me, know where people are, it's invaluable. Yeah, I'd basically say it's uh, essential. So now, you know, you throw in this sort of sense of, you know, here Greg is, he's commanding, you know, his lance or, or you know, company or whatever. He's sitting back, maybe he's got a few guard, you know, guards. And it would almost be like you'd have blips pop up. Even like on a modern day first person shooter, you know, like usually when, like when someone fires, you'll see where they're at, but then they disappear after a few seconds. That's sort of what I'm viewing when someone gets sighted. Or a, or, or a UAV or a max radar, you know, it picks them up. Because um, we're talking about a realistic engine as far as, well, what its capabilities are. If someone's behind a tree, you may not visually see them, but maybe your computer does because you're using, like, mag scan or something like that. Um, so I think information will be will be huge. And, I mean, line sight. And it's, it's a real thing. It's not, it's not that kind of uh, false sense you get with a fog of war or world of tank style oh my god i would i would have punched a bag of kittens if they would have came out and said that i would i'd have been very very irritated <laughs> i don't know about you guys it would have it would have you don't like that. those uh tanks decloaking in front of you 20 feet you know in the tree <laughs> or the invisible ones that you can never find yeah the freaking td sniping <laughs> just uh, yeah um but you can see they've taken things from you know um the different games. I mean, all of our favorite. I noticed, you know, most of them are the games that we've mentioned on here. Um, there's, I, I, there was a few other things. Oh, go ahead, Bernie. Go ahead. I, I just, I just thought of something right now because we do have somewhat confirmed uh, the different modes. Like you can see, the one where you can actually see through the buildings is the one that brings up my thing. If you're tracking them and you put on that mode, would you still be able to track their whereabouts and see their? You're talking Magan. Yeah. No, Mag. No, if they, they go behind a building. It's a it's a solid object. You you can't see anything. But would you still be able to like uh, track them? I mean, and that's no. I mean, that's that's the and even in the novels. I mean, even the early and later novels. I mean, that's what it was like, right? I mean, this sort of sense of you use your eyes, you use your your sensors, but mechs disappeared and you lost track of them and um yeah and to me that brings a lot of anticipation and drama and intensity to the battle you know it's it's it just makes it much more enjoyable to me like that it's also Green. somewhat of an equalizer uh it gives the high mobility mechs the lights the mediums a bit more of an advantage since the assaults and the heavies aren't going to have perfect information about where they're at at all times yeah it allows exactly. you to slip out and actually change your position in a meaningful way so that maybe you can hit the rear or break off completely and make a good getaway even though they have some sort of ranged weapon the jenner and the atlas example exactly yeah i was right. about to bring that up and you put it in context if you almost if you took these ideas and put it in something that we know mwll if you took what they're talking about in mwll um it, it, I mean, you can sort of get a picture of what it's like, and and you know we talked about MWL, it, you know, being amazing. The CryEngine Two, it's still you know beautiful today, but the team has had to struggle, and you know even Lear said that they need more um, you know environmental assets because the amount that you can have on the screen and the amount of you know FPS drop and all that. So if if we're talking about the 
MWO being very heavy as far as assets on the screen and far as being able to use actual cover, trees, buildings, whatnot, um, it just... I think it's going to add to a very, very dynamic thing to, just like you said, so let's put it in context of MWO. You, you take the Owens, you know, the damn things like uh, uh, a bullet. Now imagine that uh, you have to have a line of sight on it to know where it's at. And you lose it, goes behind something, you don't know where it's at. Well, you know, it can easily get in your rear um, and just, you know, uh, relay information. If not, and, and I think they said this, and if if you have a good Jenner pilot and he's up against a larger foe, he's not going to go toe-to-toe because he's going to lose. He's going to use his mech strengths and Atlas's weaknesses to his benefit to relay information to his other buddies. To me, it sounds like it would be a lot of fun to be a scout mech in a city. I'm kind of torn, man. On one hand, I really want to do that. On the other hand, this uh, battle grid... Uh, I've waited for a long time to have a game with this kind of... i really waited for EVE to have this kind of functionality for like four or five years. So actually having that at my fingertips as a commander type person, that's really, really appealing. So I think I might flop between the two depending on what's needed. You know, and we read through the rest of the interview. There's, Like I said, there was nothing new or, or as far as... Nothing that popped out to me except for, you know, those little hints there. But it definitely solidified, you know, they talk about the battle grid, uh, especially. And there was a lot of questions about it. Um, and it, it's one of the things we discussed that we believed it would be a good thing to, you know, if, if you're going to be the commander, you need to be occupied. That It should be, the mini-map should be something that you can quick, easy, you can get information. But if you want really detailed information you have to bring it up and it should take away from something it seems pretty much that's what they're saying and uh it's going to be his best friend uh planning uh tactics uh issuing orders and calling down arty strikes and that i don't know for those who have played mwl let me tell you when a long tom lands next to your mech and or on your mech if you're not in a big nut yeah it bad juju (laughs) it ruins your day no doubt about it Fully armored mech to scrap in about zero seconds. Hey, another thing they basically solidified, and I might be wrong that they didn't before, was ba- that there would be indirect uh, missile fire. No, they, uh, they did mention that before. Okay. With with the, um, uh, but we didn't really, we don't really know Not how dumb that... firings. I mean, it sounds no, to no. me... We, we yeah. knew about dumb firing, but I think they actually, this is the first time they actually confirmed and confirmed that, uh, say, Recon Mechs will be able to guide LRMs as spotters. Right. Thanks, to, you know, uh, thanks to our good friend here, Evan and I, for pointing that out for us. I'm, I'm wondering what's gonna, how that's going to look, because uh, for, for those who, who don't know or haven't followed Battletech and MechWarrior as much, uh, you know, basically LRMs, uh, wherever your reticle is, you fire them, they arc up, you know, this, this is generally how they're done. They arc up, you know, and they come down on their target. Well, indirect fire requires a little bit different thing. It would require almost a, and it'd be interesting to see, um, but it would almost require sort of like an RD view, um, you know, to where you could maybe some... HUD system basically you can see the trajectory and you can see where it comes down on the ground and that way you know if something is over the 
a building or a hill or whatever and you don't necessarily have a uh, lot you can just basically lob stuff i mean and we we read about it in the novels clusters i mean you used them in mech commander and stuff like that um it definitely adds to a lot of uh tactical decisions i guess because just because you don't have eyes on them you can just start shelling them, forcing them out. Maybe they're in a little alcove or, you know, somewhere where they think they have protection. Next thing you know, just, you know, just wave after wave of missiles just start coming in. So, uh, definitely. And then they also hint at, you know, the, the, the interchangeable modules or whatever, you know, basically being electronics or weapons. You know, you have more electronics, you're going to have less weapons. You have more weapons, you're going to have less electronics. Yeah, yeah, they did. So it might confirm that. And, and this is something that I think is a big part because if you go exactly the route of the tabletop and crit system MechWare 2 through 3, it does create issues because mechs just basically load up on a crap ton of a specific weapon, players min-max, um, and... Do you stray away from canon? Yeah, but uh, does it really stray away from what these mechs supposedly are, are capable of? Yeah, and so, you know, we talked about are they going to go with that or a MechWare 4 sort of quasi, you know, hard system, and it basically looks like they've, they've and they said this, and we just weren't really sure if it meant just modules uh, as far as equipment, sensors, or whatnot, or weapons. Now... Are you guys okay with that? And what what do you what pops in your mind as far as how do you think they could do a modular system? I mean, before you know anything's released, we don't know. But well, I mean, what do you sort of see? MechWarrior Four instantly pops into mind for me, and I'm a little nervous about that. For now, me, what do, you, what do you mean though? Like, I, for me, I think they might have. Well, I don't really know if they're going to go this route, but nothing they've said so far tells me that this route is precluded that you're gonna have sort of a sensor board that you can you know do stuff to and then have the more traditional crit slots or module slots for the mechs and certain things like beagle active probe or the guardian ecm narc beacon things like that which we think of as electronic warfare and sensor warfare and information warfare but are still stuff that would like physically go on the mech that can still happen, and then you can still have uh, a sensor board that's maybe unique to your cockpit or, or whatever, where you adjust your sensor package. And I would imagine certain mechs are probably going to have more room to customize that than others. I don't think the Atlas is going to be able to carry the same range of options as, say, a Raven. But at the same time, you may still have some items that contribute to the information warfare aspect of the game but are not limited to that sensor board so if we're talking like modules it's almost yeah they've gone away from the crit ton, you know we don't really know but obviously there has to be a all right if they're doing a modular system a particular module you know if how many slots do you have how many module slots i guess uh, if you put something on does it take up x amount of module slots you know it just like they said you know, if there's a scout lance and they're really good with communicating, they're just using TS3, excuse me, um, they don't need to necessarily take as much electronics so they can load up on weapons. Well, you know, is it going to be a trade-off and do light mechs have more um, modules for the equipment, you know, electronics? And that's what I'm, I'm interested to see because I was, I'm always for staying away from the direct 
translation from the tabletop and you know i know people will say blasphemous but from what I've what I've understood is they want people to use the different weapon systems, and you don't necessarily see that when it comes to players min-maxing and when it comes down to we have to win. Let's do whatever we have to do. Let's let's focus on whatever we have to as far as mech loadouts and whatnot. You know, so they load up exactly the same thing every single time. And so if you get away from that um, and you move towards having almost forcing the players to use energy ballistic you know uh, missiles i like that idea i mean do you guys not i mean it's sort of it'll bring out the real skill in all the players i think it would be an interesting game type but i wouldn't like to see it almost every single game where i'd have to keep switching every single one but i mean every now and then i think it would be a very good idea and would make it interesting in the end and we haven't seen how if at all expensive it'll be i mean you know, we talked about that. Yeah, my ideas on customization are probably conservative, and I can live with that. Um, I just don't like, you know, complete customization by every player. And, you know, it was hard to do custom custom jobs in the Battletech universe, you know, and, and you rarely saw uh, mechs that were drastically changed. And to me, that this just means... It's, it appears that everybody's going to just be able to pick the best loadout, and there will be a lot of running the same things. I, I may be totally wrong, and I may be, you know, over conservative in my views, but that's where I'm at on it. I desperately hope it's not. I mean, if you just think about it, these mechs are built a certain way. The Hunchback has a big ass AC20 thing. That's what it comes with. It's there. What are you going to? Like, it should be a real undertaking to redesign a mech chassis on your own, especially in this time period, and have everything look slash function slash shoot properly. The problem is, like in MechWarrior 4, with that example, they would have made it so that you could put, like, either an AC-20 there or a PPC or, you know, whatever could fit into the slot and that's that's what I am shy about. Well, no, not necessarily. What they not did necessarily, and, but uh, you know what to, I'm saying. To, to give the listeners who maybe who, who didn't play it or um, the IS mechs that weren't Omni mechs, and uh, we've talked about this before. Uh, let's take uh, a mech with a you know missile loadout in its right arm. That uh, and it took up uh, you know let's say five slots. So basically, all those missile slots were green. And you could put whatever you wanted on that right arm, so long it was missiles. So you could put streaks, you could put LRMs, ATMs, uh, you know, whatever, as long as it was missile. Whereas Omnimax, and especially when you're talking about clan Omnimax, um, let's let's take the Timberwolf. They for had example. the gray slots. Yeah, and they they would have they had two red, and so uh, it was energy only. But then they had like five gray, and you could put whatever you wanted. And it it it, it was unique because it was a change up. But it did move away, and people still min-maxed. I mean, you still saw missile boats and stuff, but it mm-hmm. wasn't as extreme, and um, you, you definitely saw a variation. And yeah, I, I liked it because um, it, it was a change, and it, it looked it, to me it was a little bit more like Battletech. But just like you guys said, we're looking at a game, and we're looking at a novel. So yeah, we'd like yep. to see something you know as realistic as far as Battletech and lore, but 
you know, when it comes down to it, it's a game. It's got to be fun. It's got to be realistic. It's got to draw people in and not take away too much time uh, from actual gameplay. So uh, I'm interested also to see what they did with the weapons and their damage because they haven't really noticed it. You know, they, they basically said you have to be really close with an AC-10 or AC-20. Uh, they haven't mentioned weapon ranges. We all know 3048. Well, now 3049. Um it's going to hit the fan, and if you're close range, all 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 engagements were, you know, in the three four hundred meters on, if not closer. You know, how much does a, an AC twenty actually do? Is it like a wrecking shot? You know, is it is a PPC? You know, we don't know the armor values. I mean, a lot to be answered. But anyways, let's not stray too far. Now, one thing um, that did pop to mind when I was talking to someone this week is, it's it's already 3049. If you didn't catch in the Three Moves podcast, they said players will be allowed to play the clans. Obviously, we talked about that in the last podcast. But they they also said uh, to the effect of, well, when we release the clans a few months after release, well, the clans invade in August of 3049. August, September. Uh, Phelan Kell is captured in the August in the periphery. Uh, by Clan Wolf, and then, you know, it hits the fan. So if they say a few months, then we're talking about, what, May, June as a release? Because, I mean, you have to give the the players, I mean, time to, you know, get used to the game before. I mean, but oh, I wish, is, that sort of what, is that sort of what you guys get? I mean, if they say a few months before, I mean, it has to be that time frame, right? I would, I, would, I would say so, but it's still, the pro problem is, is that it's still quite vague at the moment about when the actual release date is, or if that is going to have to get pushed ahead. If it is, by all means, I'll be jumping for joy, like, the sooner this thing gets re uh, released. Yeah, I've, I've just never seen that happen. I mean, their earliest date was summer, so I, I would be amazed. I'd be pleased, but I would be amazed. And I think that leads into our next topic now. Um, you know, obviously, I don't have the devs on the bat phone, guys. It's, uh, you know, we do get tidbits here and there. Like, we'll ask, you know, hey, is there anything you guys want us to, you know, talk about? They'll say, like, wiki or, you know, keep keep it up. They've been really supportive. Um, but as far as the development, uh, what do you guys think? I mean, do you... Do you think they're going to be able to meet this quota of this summer and this summer's release? I mean, there's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of naysayers out there. There's a lot of positives. Um, but, you know, just to be realistic and, and to, to throw it out there, I mean, do you think they're going to be able to release a solid core game um, May, June uh, timeframe and uh, deliver for the community? Totally vaporware. It's totally vaporware. <laughs> Yeah, you're uh, I you're think forms. <laughs> August is still summer. But Definitely. If, if, well, that's the problem, though, is if they release as soon as, technically, if they're following the, the timeline. No, this is an alternate timeline. So an alternate timeline means that they can do it whenever they want, pretty much, because this isn't the same, it's not going by the timeline of the canon. So you're saying that um, their little information releases they do every day, technically, they... That could just be role play, and they'll just push it back another year. No, I mean, I'm just saying that if they're not able to release it in time for the clan invasion per the canon, the regular timeline, then they can easily just 
release it whenever it comes out, late summer or after that, God forbid. But uh, And then they can just say, well, this is an alternate timeline, so the clans invade a little bit later in this timeline. I don't see it as a big issue. I think the release schedule is fine. From what we're getting so far, and I mean, we are promised something big at the end of this month, so hopefully it's some sort of insight on the progress and where it is at the moment. But as it stands right now, with things being so vague, um, it's really hard to say for sure. We might have beta in this. I don't think we're going to full release by the summertime. Okay. When they initially put it forward, they said late 2012. Am I right? No, they said summer. 2012. Summer. Summer 2012. Yeah. And oh, really? Yeah, yeah, the reason I bring this, yeah, and the reason I bring this up is now what we would consider a full release game. Well, it's a free-to-play model. It's based in Battletech Universe. They're following a timeline. Not everything's going to be available, and I think it's just like World of Tanks to where as far as they release a core game, and then the game evolves, and they add more content, and they get it better and better. So it's almost like a, a wine, right? I mean, the, the older it is, you know, and so... I have a feeling that's possibly what may happen is, you know, come the June, May time frame, they release a core game, you know, all the bells and whistles as far as planetary and, you know, doing multiple stage battles and blah, 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 Solaris possibly. I mean, all that kind of stuff may not be available right off the bat, but, you know, you have a guarantee that it will make it in game and they're, and they're going to put the time. And that's, I think that's... So what would you guys say would be, like... What do you expect new content and like weapons and mechs? I mean, are we gonna be like totally anal and be like, we want it now, damn it, this is America, Ma, you know? Is it is it one of those things where you'd want the technology to be introduced verbatim, the actual times in the canon and all that? Well, first of all, USA number one gold medal, freedom, and <laughs> <laughs> and furthermore, I think it'd be all right if they fiddled with the tech release a little bit. I mean, of the things that happen in the timeline, that's what I would be most comfortable with them adjusting. What about you, Darren? Are, are you are, like, do you have any feelings toward that? I mean... Mm, I just like regular releases, you know? I mean, I really don't need a lot in terms of content. If there is a lot, I'm that much more happy, but I just like regular releases instead of having to wait months and months. And I think that could be done probably with maps and whatnot, you know, um, depending on how quick and whatnot they can get out stuff. But I think we'd all be happy enough to to play for a while before, you know, new content. But I mean, uh, I would say it wouldn't be crazy to say like every, you know, two or three months or something, new maps. And it could be just, a, you know, a one or two, you know. Um, so... I think no matter how many maps a game has, you always feel like it's not enough and that you play the same maps over and over again. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think releasing a few every few months is a lot, and that's cool. All right, so that's, uh, that, that's pretty much it. Uh, like I said, as far as the dev interview, that wasn't... Um, I would say, like, uh, like, we're going to go back, and, you know, it's it's one of those things that... I like hearing someone's voice. I'd rather do that and, and hear that than just a wall of text. But uh, teach teach his own. Um, I definitely like having stuff on Wednesdays, and it's nice. Uh, I think a few people were a little disappointed, but uh, you know, the, for Evernight and Bomb, you know, they'll, they'll suck it up. So let's move on to the next thing. Yes, and, I will. Uh, 
uh, Brandon here, he like I said, he's a forum Nazi and ninja, and he's got a few posts and uh, his internet connections here. So we're gonna actually have him sort of uh, 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 keep us up to date on him. So you want to go go into the first one there, Brandon? Oh yeah, no problem. Uh, first up, we have Paul. Uh, in a thread where someone asks about, if you notice where it says log in or sign up, to the left of it, there's some text up there. There's been speculation going on about it for a little bit now, but uh, Paul said, and we didn't get it actually, that we would be able to find out in a surprise on Wednesday, i.e. today, that he'll tell us what it is, but that never really happened, now did it? <laughs> so, Paul... Well, did did he say this Wednesday, or did he say until Surprise Wednesday? I guess it is Surprise Wednesday, yeah. So I guess he, he lives for another day. Yeah, but that's also sort of gone a, out to BC because I'll do that. Sort of a play on words, right? Because he says yeah. Surprise Wednesday, but he posted it on the fourth of January. Yeah, we see what you did there. So hmm, maybe we can uh, find out. I, I honestly, I don't think it's anything crazy, but you never know. Maybe it's a release date, or who knows. Maybe it has to do with Matt and being tied up and not allowed to post anymore. <laughs> so what, what you got next? What you got next? Uh, the second one has to deal with the uh, question about the line of sight and everything like that. And the question was basically going, if, say, you, you're looking at a mech, and uh, you guys play World of Tanks, so you'd probably get this better than... I, I would, because I didn't really play World of Tanks all that much. But uh, apparently if a tank goes in, into the woods, regardless if you're looking at them, it disappears. It stops rendering? Yes? No? Yeah, and it, that's I think that plays into their mechanics of... Uh, only, if he achieves, only if he achieves camo. Like, basically, you, they can run through bushes and trees, and you can still see them if they're uh, shooting, so their camo uh, ability is reduced greatly, etc. So it is possible to go through the trees and see them. It's also possible to go through and not see them. Okay, and so I, anyway... The... Actually, I made a post on that thread because, uh, you know, someone... And, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm the end-all be-all. A lot of people agreed, but I think it's one of those where, like what we talked about, MWO has a fake line of sight. I mean, it's part of their game. It's not realistic. It's it's a gameplay mechanic that they use. Um, it, But it's entirely different from what they've stated and you know just like we we're talking about it's a line of sight system that's actually like a worldly line of sight you're using your eyes if you can see it in front of you you can see it and so that means that there's an atlas standing behind a little pine tree you're gonna see the atlas and <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you can almost imagine that so if something I is was. 700 meters out and it's not obstructed by geometry as far as terrain or buildings or even if it is partially you know, even if you just see the shoulder or the cockpit bob up and down or any of that, you, you're going to see your eyes. And I think that's one of the things they're talking about. And what I think the the radar, where line of sight and radar come into play is if you can see it and your radar can see it, then you'll get information. Now, that information we don't know. So, I mean, right off the top, what do you usually get when you lock a target? Distance, speed, maybe their damage readout maybe the type of loadout possibly and maybe that's electronics but then you'd be able to get a lock right whereas once they move offside outside of that line of sight and behind buildings you know they basically clearly said within x amount of seconds you'll lose radar boom they're gone so you know being able to track your opponent 
wherever they go on the map, it's not going to happen unless you actually have eyes on them. Yeah. But, I mean, we also got Paul here saying that if a mech is standing in a uh, grove of trees, for example, that they're not actually going to stop rendering the mech at all, meaning it is going to be visible if you're looking at it. So that answers that hole. <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty much. All right, what, More what realistic. we got? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I don't think we'll have to worry about that. Yeah. Uh, the next one is a topic about uh, mercenary units. Uh, basically, size, everything like that. Uh, we got a post here by Brian saying that they haven't decided on the final number of people allowed in a company or a mercenary unit, I should say. Uh, they're looking at somewhere between 4 and 12. Now, I'm not sure if that's the total amount of people or just what's going to be able to deploy. I'm thinking it's probably leaning more towards deployment because they said they want to do up to a company. Um, they, the person asked what would be the requirements of creating a mercenary company. And right now they said that, uh, well, Brian said that they're looking at having low requirements at the beginning so that hundreds of corporations or mercenary corps uh, can participate in the territory battles. And they, would, they said they would likely start... Um, really high like a large number of uh, mercenary corps at the beginning and then reduce over time as we add new contracts features and whatnot to support smaller units i mean i don't really know uh, because they said we're really concerned about having low requirements because that that you know if you could only have four to twelve people on a merc corp yeah. that would mean i mean if you have hundreds of thousands of people playing that would be thousands of Merc corps, and not to mention faction as well, but the Eve uh, problem basically, where one man can start a corp. Yeah, um, that's got to be it, deployment. I don't see how that could be otherwise. Yeah, and, and to be to be honest, I mean, like World of Tanks, what they do a hundred. There's a there's a player right. limit. Is there an e uh, like an Eve? Is there a, pl a corp player limit? Yes, but it's really high. It's like two thousand or something like that. It's it's depends on the owner or the leader owner's uh, skill, right? Yeah, there's a skill you can train to get more players. I think the limit's four thousand something because I know Goonswarm has that many. Hundred is pretty tough to work with. That's a small amount. Well, yeah. it, you know, and I'd like to most like corps, even the like successful that. ones, just naturally rarely get above a hundred. Just that's just seems to be how it is uh, in terms of group dynamics. Now someone's probably going to call foul, oh, my corpse got 150. No, when you actually look at actual players and not all it's included, uh, most corpse aren't above 100. Um, I think what we're talking about as far as put this in perspective, they've already said that um, when the game comes out first, their planetary battles are going to be one shot. You know, one, you drop, whoever wins, it switches over. So if, if you were throwing at how often can stuff flip-flop how many people are there how many groups are in the area i mean if you're talking about groups maybe spread out over the entire inner sphere i think it'd be really really cool um and i think uh it's perfectly acceptable to have uh a lower player limit but i don't think 12 i, I like the idea of uh, because one of the if, if you limit only 12 people not everyone's on at the same time, and so... Well, Every single night. Yeah, I mean, so realistically, having 50, 100, and I think that's, you know, appropriate, but you do have to watch it, um, because... And even if you limit it, this is what's going to happen. <laughs> You're going to have groups that basically are playing together. They may not be in the same 
Merc Corp. Uh, but they're going to be coordinated. I mean, we see well, this Eve. World of Tanks, all they do is like, okay, one of the biggest uh, clans in World of Tanks is Angels of Death. So they have Angels of Death 1, Angels of Death 2, Angels of Death mm -hmm. 3. And they all band together, fight together for the common cause, which players do, humans do. It's just a natural thing. It's how the game... And I don't think that's a problem, because if you really think about it, faction mercs would be helping to fight whoever that faction's against. Um, and same thing, the faction, different units are, you know, so it's all a coordinated effort. And I think, I think this will be really interesting because we're talking about a huge player base. Yeah. Guess what? The forums only say X amount of people. What are we up to now? Uh, let me see. Um, 41,000. Right no, that's 41,000. But here's the thing. That's only active people on the forums. That does not include everyone who's registered their names. There are a ton of people out there that just really aren't at, into forums and whatnot like we are, and that's that's fine. Anyways, let's move on. We could we could beat this dead horse, guys. Uh, we really just don't know, um, and we'll find out more. But um, the, a lot of dynamic play out there because of the numbers and the size. So what do we got next? Uh, next, uh, we got Brian once again. Uh, I seem to have grouped them all by name. Um, basically, there's a question asked once again about the line of sight because that was really just kind of introduced last week. So it is kind of new. People asking questions. Um, little plug. I think that was you... sufficiently answered. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this one here is a little bit more in detail. Uh, basically, it says what PK has been saying um, a little bit here, how it uses the vectors and stuff like that, going into detail. Um, each tick, a slice of time, the server checks, line of sight between all active units in play in space and if it picks up anything in that way it broadcasts it back to you onto your radar uh, but also a little bit later he says if you can visually see a mech it will show up on your radar most of the time which could be a little interesting or a hint at something future just that little most of the time what are you um, doing over there Giz? she's barking at you Brandon you better hurry up <laughs> she's eyeballing sorry no. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I think we've talked about that. Um, that we've got what uh, the next thing is something about international Russia, and obviously that they're going to be hitting demographics in in all the areas. Uh, I'm sure we'll face the Russian um, mob again in this because you know all of Russia bands together. It doesn't matter what. Um, now, one thing, uh, the topic I'm going to sort of jump ahead on you, Brandon, is. There's a thread about Mech Sway, and you know, uh, basically, Coach Z posted he would like to see animations that are more um, um, in physics that are more uh, bio. Uh, you know, the, the mechs actually have biomechanics and kinesiology, which, if you guys don't know, uh, is you know the way our body moves. Like, if these mechs are supposed to be the humanoid mechs are supposed to be, they they operate just like a human body, which means you, and this is interesting because when I got into modeling, you, you start realizing, well, you'd have to have this type of joint or this to have that. But if mechs are supposed to have humanoid movement and realistic as far as, and when I say realistic, I mean the mech being able to turn and do things without things snapping and breaking because of so much stress on, um, you, you have stuff like ball and socket joints. Anyways, and basically the uh, response was from Brian, you'll be happy. Um, with the engines and how animations, pretty much if you have an animation guy who's you know brilliant, 
you can make some pretty badass looking animations. Uh, but keep in mind, there's a lot of animations. Um, mech walking isn't just the only thing they have to do. You've got running, getting hit by something, falling down possibly. I mean, everything that can happen to a mech has to be Punching, animated. picking... Well, everything. I think he also mentioned something with uh, regards to running, like uh, running gunning, how that should be a little bit harder. I think that might also be in there, how if you're on the run, targeting might become a little bit harder to do. You know, your your reticles may be bouncing up and down. And it's, it's a tough topic when you get into that because, you know, someone today may say, just like me, you know, being on an M1A1, um, being on the move isn't much of a problem when you when you're in when you're targeting something uh it's all it's all if a tank that was built in the 70s can do that amount of tracking obviously you know but then you cross it over to realistic and battle tech and whatnot but uh you know yeah add 700 years of development to what we can do today yeah and a little bit of degradation because you know we'd like to kill kill each other uh it'll be interesting seeing their animations i think visually we all want to We've all missed that sense of scale, that sense, and it doesn't necessarily, battle mechs aren't cumbersome, at least, you know, not all of them, but it's a massive moving metal giant. I mean, we want to feel and that, ah, uh, you know, like, oh shit. Like, if you've ever, like, imagine standing next to your three foot tall or uh, three story tall building. That's the height of like a medium mech. And if you're standing right next to it, like right up against and you look up, that's a big damn thing. You, we've never gotten that though. Do most people would shit their drawers if a freaking modern day tank drove up in front of them? You know, can then add the the weight and the height of a mech, and yeah, that's the feeling I want. Not to mention the ground vibrations of that atlas when it walks. Oh hell yeah! It's yeah, hard to I capture mean, though when when you're also in something that big. You know what I mean? True. But I mean, it even mentions that if you're in a lighter mech and an atlas is walking, you felt something shaking. <laughs> And usually and it was your knees. It's a unique thing because even modern day tanks that you know they they weigh quite a bit, 70, 80 tons, and so. But a lot of people don't realize too that's in a small, compact thing where now you've got two legs, a torso, and a, um, instead of the weight being distributed on tracks, you have the weight being distributed on two legs or four, depending. There are quad max. I mean, that's a lot of stomping <laughs> power screw uh radar dude all i want is a, a glass of water on my dashboard just like in jurassic park so every time something heavy is walking <laughs> hula girls and water make it happen that's right all right what's, what's the last thing we got on here brennan uh the last thing is a question whether or not we're going to see solaris or not and we have brian saying that he really wants to see solaris and we should all tell paul and send him email saying to make it happen Oh, really? So, you know, what's funny is I actually had a, so. a, a, a MWO member send me uh, something about, hey, you should check this thread out, you know, blah, blah, blah. Solaris. Um, I think it'd, it'd be awesome. It's sort of like, uh, I think it'd be even better if we can do votes, or not vote, bets. Um, I mean, it Alec, would be imagine... a great update at some point. Yeah, that's, a, that's what I was thinking, Bomb. I was thinking... As cool as it would be to have Solaris as sort of like the place for lone wolves to go, I think they've already announced where they're going to factor lone wolves in. So what I would rather see is have Solaris as an expansion. And have awesome the expansion. whole nine, the different arenas as different maps, 
have different match types, team, free for all, one versus one, etc. Have stables, have betting, have spectator capability. I mean, Can you imagine this and Eve? Oh, with, I hope like, they're writing that down, man. I thought it'd be really cool. I mean, even in something like Eve, I mean, imagine where you could set up little matches of, you know, like let's have a 2v2 and boom, it automatically throws in. You could even do it in stations, you know, where all that matchmaking, people could put bets up. I mean, there's so really many options. Cool. Yeah. And, and just all of it sounds fun. Yeah. Being able to watch them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that'd be a big thing. If, if you're offering to put money on and watch your fighter cheer your fighter somehow, they just recently added an update to World of Tanks where you can change a setting that will automatically record your match, and then you can go back and rewatch that match, and it's a very tiny file. Um, and instead of just seeing the, your point of view, you can totally move around and, and look around in directions you didn't look necessarily in the match. And I would love to see that added to Solaris. So, you, can, you know, you have a kick-ass match. You can pass it around to your friends, and everybody can see it and so forth. The League only... has a spectator mode. Sorry, Phil, but League of Legends updated recently. They have a spectator mode in where you can... I think it only works for custom games or something, but it, it works. You can go watch other people play and That's move cool. around the whole map and check their stats and all that sort of stuff. Well, the only thing I was going to say is something you have to watch for that is... I believe that if you're doing the line of sight and say say you get to look around, it's one of those things that you know players are going to do it. They're going to cheat. Yeah, they're going to have their buddies watching the match, telling them, "Oh, you know, hey, dude, he's behind you." And so it's one of those things that either one you have to have a excuse me a locked camera, maybe from inside the cockpit view, which takes away from the viewer. Or it's like right above their head and you can only see what they can see because as soon as, or the, I guess the third is they can spin around, but they literally can't see what's not viewed by the player. And even then you do have a little bit of play because say the player just doesn't see what you saw or whatever and they miss it, but yet you give them a heads up, sort of like backseat, you know. Time delay by 20 minutes. <laughs> well. <laughs> Well, two things. Uh, first thing, touching on that thing you just said there, PK. Uh, I mean, if, if you look at the novels, that happened. You had, uh, I think it was main event, or I forget what novel it was. In Solaris, the uh, enemy um, stable had their guys all hooked up with radios, and they had people in the stands feeding them information. <laughs> this is true. So, I mean. uh, second of all, uh, I mean, when we're talking Solaris, I would like to see it brought in as an expansion, not right off the bat. I think it's something that could put you put on the back burner for a little bit uh, but it is something I would like to see because it would bring a, quite a number of variables to the game one you would get gambling which would be very interesting I mean if your company's down on money and you can't afford repairs anymore what's why not throw a couple bucks on the uh, games and see if you can get your mechs back in operation the, the second thing I would like to see is bring in Solaris when you want to bring in tournament play so you could have like you said stables or lone wolves wanting to go one on one and maybe have a um, round robin or a ladder of some sort that tracks player, certain players' progress who want to enter into that, say, season on Solaris, and then the winner gets like a prize or something like that. Just like they did in the actual uh, universe. There's yeah. always yeah. the top dude, and people vying for that top spot, and people just trying to break in, and they're... And I want that the, private the booth in that restaurant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's there's a lot of curtain. possibilities. 
you heard it directly from you know Brian. He wants that to happen. Obviously, if he's saying that, they may incorporate it. That may not be there right at the bat, but guess what? It offers up a lot of windows. I mean, this game could literally be. I mean, and it seems to be shaping up just like uh, the they had a, another web interview or review or whatever. It seems to be something that'll be more complicated than any other mech game so far, which is a good thing. And it, and even if they do go to the Xbox or whatever, it. it it, I don't think it really matters um, unless they're going to have play against you know us and them, and they're just going to get their ass whooped. It is what it is. Um, <laughs> but you're going to have you're going to have faction warfare. So factions against factions, planets trading you know places. You're going to have mercs working for those factions, possibly even mercs doing their own thing, getting hired because and and that's one thing I'd like to see and devs. I guess that would be my one request is maybe you don't want to be a faction lover maybe you just want to be literally a merc and say whoever the highest bidder is um and you know your stats and uh your record is proof and you get hired about that and then on top of this possibly solaris so i'm here gonna have everything god we're gonna be crack addicts you know that right mm-hmm. yeah take my wallet I will, I will go so far as to say i actually think it would be a mistake to try to incorporate solaris in the initial release it adds so much in terms of new gameplay that it just begs to be an expansion cycle. Like, that's an expansion cycle right there. You don't even have to plan it out anymore. It's I right agree. there. Yeah. You'll get so much buzz over it, so many new players over it. It'll reinvigorate the And talk about player retention, too, you know? Yep. yep. I mean, even just give it a year. Make it on the one-year anniversary, like a Solaris update. Like you said, expansion. I mean, that would just put so much Rock. energy into the community and i mean that gives them a whole other year to develop and make this work as well which would be nice uh okay well hey let's let's move on <laughs> we hope our listeners like a little discussion i like it we could talk more but we, we thank move you on. for your host of questions brian yes good good stuff on that you form ninja brandon all right so let's move on to we actually had more facebook questions which again you know i know some of you guys don't like Facebook, or maybe you are on there and you haven't, you know, give us a like, give us, I mean, direct feedback, we'd appreciate it. Um, but we had a forum question, and it was by uh, Thor Quimeda, and he asked, will MMO, or MWO, <laughs> MMO, will MWO, based on the Crying 3, using the LAA flag, or even the offer a true 64-bit version, or is, known, is there no need or plan for that? And I think what he was asking is, you know, 32-bit, you know, 64. I mean, things as far as technology have skyrocketed within the last few years. I, you know, I don't know if a game would need a, a ton of, like, like I don't know if games are developed just for 64-bit or have the ability to. I think it's pretty much your operating system. If you have it, you can use it. I mean, that's only, that's uh, some how I understand it. Yeah. Yeah. So now, Crying maybe somebody three, can correct us. Yeah, let us know. I mean, CryEngine 3, if you haven't checked out those real-time videos and, and stuff, I mean, it's it's a beautiful engine. Um, you know, it seems a lot more optimized, and hopefully it's more user-friendly for the devs to get out content to us early. Um, but this may be something for you guys, for you mech fans that haven't upgraded since 1999. I think it's good. I think you better start saving up now and may, maybe some of you mowing a few lawns or, or you know, doing whatever. Get get ready. Cause, and the cool thing is nowadays, and this is, I mean, if, if you're an enthusiast or a tech person, you can actually get a decent system 
uh, now. And it, it, Crisis 2 is actually a, a lot better optimized using the CryEngine 3, so uh, you can get a decent system for relatively cheap uh, nowadays. So I know I'm ready. I've got my system ready to rock. 16 gigs, baby. Anyways, uh, so that was our only uh, forum question. Um, now we've got face, Facebook questions, and we've got um, uh, Glenn um, Byram. And he asked, have we ever done podcasts before? It's funny, I think uh, Alec, our Scottish guy, actually gave a smiley face for that. Greg, you want to answer that? Have you done podcasts before? You want to give them the download on that? Even though we've mentioned it. Maybe, maybe they didn't listen to the first ones. <laughs> All right. Podcasting? Oh, I love podcasts. Well, I never mean, really you know, thought that I would, but... Well, what I'm saying is, like, you do other podcasts, correct? I mean, maybe give some... I'll scratch your back, you know, if someone else plays Eve and doesn't listen to the Declaration of War. I mean, you're you're the man, right? I wouldn't go as far as to call myself the man. I've really only done Declarations of War and this one. So, but we have been doing Declarations of War for a long time. As far as, like, types of content, though, this is really all I've ever done. I definitely encourage people to get involved in it, though. It's a lot of fun. Just make sure that your content is unique. That's the ultimate thing. Yeah, we try not to repeat too much on here. Sometimes, you know, especially with the game not being out, it happens. Uh, but to sort of expand on that, when I joined uh, a Noir Mercenary group in EVE, uh, Greg here was like, hey, you know, you want to be, I think, actually, I think they just needed someone, a uh, filler, and he was like, hey, you know, Phil, you want to be on here? And I was like, uh, sure, yeah, I don't really know a whole lot. It's a really cool podcast, so if you play EVE, or if you don't, or if you want to check out, it's uh, the Declarations of War uh, podcast. It, it, it's pretty cool perspective from uh, Noir Mercenary Group and uh, EVE in general. And it's something to check out. They talk a lot of stuff about what goes on during their contracts and as well in EVE, um, and it's a good thing. And so uh, check it yeah. out. You can check out the latest episode and get the RSS feed for it at www.noirmercs.com. There you have it. And again, we're going to be, with the new website, we're going to have a lot of links out there. So for all your other units, we'll be spreading the word and stuff. Darren's got a lot of plans and whatnot for the website. And again, it's going to be getting a totally new facelift. So next question from Glenn was, will we still play Eve or Roll the Tanks after MWO comes out now? <laughs> Darren. Can somebody add like 8 or 12 hours of the day? <laughs> really? <laughs> Do you got a basement? I can live in? Just... <laughs> um, Darren, you answer. Are, are you going to play World of Tanks after this? You know, I kid myself that I'm going to be playing World of Tanks and the upcoming uh, World of Warplanes and the upcoming World of Battleships, but <sighs> I'm kidding myself. If it's as epic as we think it'll be. Mm -hmm. uh, Eve always, and here's the cool thing about Eve. Eve it's always going to be there, uh, especially when you get to the point with your, your character and skills. You can always go back and be a nuisance. So, But as far as EVE, and I'm, I'm waiting. Uh, my guys I play with know, my alliance knows, Greg knows. Um, MWO is going to be where it's at. If it's as epic and uh, dynamic as, as I think it will be, that's what, that's what I'm waiting for. So what about you, Brandon? Uh, at the moment, I play neither, but I don't really have another game really on the go at the moment as far as uh, MMOs go. So probably MWO will become the new love of my life. See, he does. He stays on the forums and watches things all the time. The, for he, the forums are my MMO. Sort of. It's sad, but it works out for us. 
What about you, uh, Greg? Oh, this is a tough what, one. What is Nor mercenary group? What, what Are you going to pass it on, pass the torch, or what, what's going to happen? Uh, I'm hesitant to say that I will because I want to make sure that, you know, MWO is great and Eve, I mean, uh, Eve, well, not six months ago, we were thinking that Eve was going to be dying within a year, the way their development cycle was going to be, but I don't know, they put out a really good expansion and now we have to see if they sort of follow on with another good expansion and keep a positive development cycle going. So I guess a lot depends on how this game turns out, how that game turns out, and maybe I'll just give more stuff over to my directors than now. I know Alex would love that. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, he's like, screw that, I'm playing Mac. <laughs> That being you know, said, you know, uh, it isn't a... That, that being said, it's very tempting. It is very tempting to just up and leave EVE. It's just I've built so much in EVE, and it's taken four or five years to get it that far. I'm hesitant to just leave it on a whim, you know what I mean? Plus, yeah, EVE yeah. has a very distinct play style from this. It, it, it fits the... I mean, it's it's EVE. I mean, you, you re if you've never played it, you know, you may laugh or whatever. It, it's a... There is no other game like it. So, if MWO is anything to what we think it will be, and it lets, lets us dive in and, and do the things, I'll definitely be moving over and probably not looking back. And, you know, you always have those games that you can play together every once in a while, but the the game that'll take up my time and us uh, all being together. And actually, after this podcast, uh, we got some talking to do about, you know, our unit. We used to be uh, Clan Wolf in Exile and MWL. And you know we we've sort of dropped that going for the whole Merc, and we're gonna we're, we'll choose our name and venue again, as Darren will call me. I'm Schlang, Sean Lang. I'll be rolling with that alias. But uh, let's let's move Ooh. on to the next one. We should oh, have our on. listeners choose our name. Oh God! God no! <laughs> Come on, Troll. Pinkie Pie's Pony Party is a go. Yeah, troll la 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 la. All right. Wait, were they so, picking it or was I? Because <laughs> no, yeah, no, 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 no. That that. <laughs> All sorts of bro. Anyways, anyways, yes. Party cannoneers. So, uh, is this party is this supposed to be? <laughs> is this supposed to be Mike or is it Make? Is that correct, Brandon? Uh, I think I made a mistake. I think it's supposed to be Mike. Yeah, I think uh, Mike Blakeman asked, "Do you guys think that uh, with the reveal of Solaris Assault Tech that we are going to see any troubles between Piranha and Mech Tech?" Now, this is a this is a thin thin line because we. Shared the news that a uh, uh, Solaris Assault Tech last podcast, but we really didn't know what was going on. I'm not going to dive into any speculation on that because I really don't know. Got Mech Tech has been a huge part of the community. I mean, actually, from like the the start. I mean, you you've literally got guys that helped with you know MechWarrior Two and all that in some way, shape, and form all the way back when who helped found Mech Tech. As far as Solaris Assault Tech. You know, as far as what I know right now is Piranha Games as a license through Smith and Tinker. When you talk about a, a license from uh, MechWarrior, I don't know how expensive that is. It may be in the millions of dollars. So pretty expensive. So I don't know what route Solaris Assault Tech was taking. I don't know if they're... I mean, obviously it's a company, so I doubt they would be doing something illegal. Um, but we may just not know of uh, all the implications there. I think that the direction this is going, it is definitely leading to a nerf bat fight you know it's one of those things where if you have two games and two ips fighting for each other or the same ip trying to fight 
I don't know if Microsoft would allow that as far as Solaris Saltech. We don't know anything as far as we don't know. And I, I don't want to feel the fire because to be honest, I think it's the community fueling the fire. Um, let, oh, yeah. the, let the guys behind the scenes, I'm sure the Piranha Games and MechTech are behind the scenes talking or figuring something out. And to be honest, just sort of um, speculation here, but now that they've mentioned Xbox... Polaris Assault Tech was Xbox as well. Throwing that out there, speculation, who knows? Uh, maybe they have reached a deal. Maybe they've talked, but... <laughs> I don't want to speculate. It's a conspiracy. You know, just throwing that out there, maybe totally <laughs> off-wind, but... Was anyone I mean, just a little worried that it's going to be on Xbox 2, given the history there? Maybe a little bit. I don't know, but I think PK might need to get a tinfall hat. Um... I would be worried if it was Mech Assault, but... This is so not going to be Mech Assault. Yeah, I mean, we're not talking about power... I mean, Mech Assault had potential and and actually has quite a few fan base. Now, um, I actually bought it way back when. A few as in three? I I bought the Mech Assault, the first one, because I didn't realize that's what the game was. And I played it, and I was like, oh my god. And, I mean, that was, like, years ago. And I never played it really much after that. But it had potential to be in something unique and even if uh, even if this game gets ported over i don't think it really will detract from what the game is going to be i mean i mean all their core features and stuff even if it goes over to the xbox i mean and it may be a completely sort of different scene over there i don't think it really will take away as long as they focus on what they've you know what they've said they're gonna do and and you know money doesn't become like a you know an issue as far as i don't know because i mean you're talking about microsoft and ip rights i mean they may i don't i don't know i really don't know i i like the idea of this being just pc but uh not being a console gamer myself how do free to plays work with a console like that do they download them or uh for the xbox i don't believe so usually you have to pay uh, so much for I don't know. If there aren't any at the moment. But I know it's like Xbox that, Live, uh, right? Like you have to pay that per month to play. Well, no, no, no. Oh, I think there's only been on the Xbox. I think there's only been Final Fantasy who's ever done a MMO. Uh, or maybe that was. I'm pretty sure it was a PlayStation. Never mind. Or no, I think there was a uh, a version for the Xbox. But as far as like a free to play or a microtransactions. I know Microsoft was looking to set that up for the Xbox. Whether or not it's fully implemented at the moment, uh, I couldn't tell you. Just as what about it stands the 720? for 720. This, oh, jeez, who knows? Out? We gotta wait a year for that. Well, I, guess I mean, that's later a, this that's year. a thing, you know. Um, if that comes out, new technology, better graphics. I mean, I, I'll worry about that when it times come. And as far as troubles between Piranha and Mech Tech. I really don't think there's anything to worry about. I know some people were like, oh, you know, why did Brian, you know, block the topic and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, you guys are talking about IP rights. That's, uh, you, you don't mess with someone's company. And as far as legality, he had all the rights in reserve. And you may argue, oh, blah, blah. that's legal stuff. You just don't, you don't. Don't you even don't. go there. That's yeah. not much point. You're not going to get much out of it. And they can't really talk about it anyway that not in a way that's helpful to them or the game. So just don't even bother people. 
Yeah, and I mean, from what I've understood from Solaris Assault Tech, that was actually announced a long time ago. I, I mean, I even knew of it. I think it was like 2009, ModDBs had them. I think what happened is ModDB, when they posted their games, included them, and so it brought the four, you know, the, the light onto them again. And I don't know, I think from what I've understood from Vance posting over at MechTech, they weren't really aware that that was going to happen, and then it's brought some some negativity as far but again let those guys deal with it i don't think it'll be uh negative and i'm hoping we get to see solaris assault tech but we don't i have no idea um let's let's move on yeah let's move on uh we've got <laughs> um this is an interesting uh name it's uh morgan garrett van um bynum uh, i believe and uh he asked what do you think of clan tech now being included um, I think we talked about this quite in depth in the past ones, uh, so I don't I don't want to touch on it too much. I'm interested to see how they are, as far as that are they going to move away from the the damage values and whatnot, and are they going to follow maybe Randall's sort of view? I mean, just sort of like what, his interviews. What uh, clan tech do we know is being included? Well, we we do know they they already stated that the players will be able to play the clans uh, when the clans are introduced. Oh, but or this I sounds say, specific. This question: What do you think of the clan tech now being included? So, what yeah. what has been announced as being included in with well, clan technology? I, I wasn't familiar with any announcement that there was. Well, I think what he's saying is from the Three Moves podcast. They said when the clans are introduced, and you know, blah blah blah, and the players will be able to choose. You know, if they want to uh, play those, I think that's what he means. So, maybe not specific tech, but just what do you think of you know the clan tech being included? I think it's a positive thing. You have Is, to do it. He's asking us what do we think of being able to play the clans and the fact that the clans will be in the game at some point in the future. Possibly, or you know, just uh, good. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> I don't know what else you're looking for. We've been raving uh, over having the clans be playable. <laughs> Well, it's going to be interesting because you've got you've got groups that are already doing uh, you've got clanners and all that stuff forming up already. They're going to have to play the game as either lone wolves or they're going to have to like role play into a merc or faction unit until those units comes out, and then they can hop them for the bandwagon. The question I think is this: merc units we're going to be able to pick names, do something unique, blah 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 blah, do whatever we want. You've got a ton of clans out there, 18 in total, you know, if not a few more, uh, the unspoken ones, um, that players have created or played in the, in the past. Are they going to allow clans like, you know, Steel Ladder or, you know, uh, all those that were in the initial invasion force of the clans, are they going to allow them to be, or is it they have to pick those, those five? I guess that's the question I would have. My gut is probably the uh, probably just do five because, well, you're going to have to have them interact with the inner sphere players, so it's going to be the invading clans is my thought. But eventually, the invading clans do get expanded quite a bit, and eventually the inner sphere counterattacks. So it seems to me there's expansions to be had upon this idea. I think the initial release will probably be just the first initial invading clans. So and for those who don't, later. so for those who don't know, you've got Jade Falcon, Clan Wolf, Clan Ghost Bear, 
Smoke Jaguar, and who... I think that's it. Yeah, th that's it. The, the first four that are invaded. Now, if you don't follow the lore, if you haven't, basically they, they did a, a trial beforehand to say who would be leading the four, uh, you know, the forefront of the, the thrust into the inner sphere. Others come behind them later on, but those are the ones at the tip of the spear. So I guess that would be the question for me. I mean, uh, we really don't know as far as the balancing. I think it would be really cool for the them to change things up and go with Randall uh, Randall's idea of how the clan weapons and stuff works. But let's move on to the next one. We've got uh, Andreas uh, uh, J I would Jacobson. Say Jacobson. It's probably Jacobson or something like that. Jacobson. And he says, how do we think galaxy interaction will be like? Uh, will we get info on planets, like what's going on, on the um, heat effectiveness, like the amount of information you get? Um, will there be hotspots like EVE where we can see what factions are pushing? Interaction map, I think there's a lot of stuff that's been done in the past um, in other games. Um, Eve, you can see battles ongoing as far as you can look in the map, see how many kills have occurred, see if there's stuff under contest and stuff. What do you guys feel like if if you're a faction or a merc and you're attacking a group, do you, uh, you think know, there should be more than one battle going on planet at the same time? Yeah, I'd like to see that more than one battle. You know, I get lost in this shit. I love these full-on maps where you can see all the details down to specifics you know the more they do the better for me i love that stuff with, with regards of information being kept up to date i would like to see a delay because it does take in the BattleTech universe it does take time and for maps to update well i shouldn't say maps but for battles to be relayed back to the home planet or whatever so i would like to see like maybe a one day delay and then the map update at the end of that day for all the battles so that you are that we'll still going see. in a little bit blind I mean, you can almost imagine mm. a inner sphere map, and there's maybe a planet flashes red, and it's you know there's a specific engagement. Boom! It gets transferred over. Now it's now it's red, and the Draconis mine just took it. And maybe there's a battle report saying X Merc unit just lost blah blah blah, and something you know someone victorious, and you know blah 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 amount of seabills destroyed or something. I think I actually prefer real time information there. Um, you know, it's I. It just I think adds to gameplay, and there's you know a real satisfaction when you your unit wins a battle to have you know like a news ticker or whatever version they have of that, so that everybody can see you just won or that this planet was taken over or whatever. I think it adds to the gameplay. It adds to the intensity. I think this might be one of those things that we just have to chalk up as would be great if it captured the old BattleTech feel, but because of the realities of a computer game probably not going to work out too well. In Battletech, if there was a big offensive and worlds were just falling, like uh, the Fourth Succession War, the Capellan Confederation invasion, it might be a while before the uh, before that information makes it back to the capital, and then they can redistribute troops to counter the invasion. And it would be nice if in the Battletech game you had that kind of imperfect information be a factor. Not just on the battlefield, but in more of a strategic sense. But in reality, this game isn't going on in a vacuum. If they don't put real-time information in, someone is going to make a tool or make a website that has that real-time information that players are just going to go to anyway. I think we're going to see something with real-time information, because they've, they've clearly stated there's going to be a lot of info that will be able to be outsourced using RSS and inputs and stuff. 
or outputs. So I think we just need more. They really haven't talked about interaction and how, you know, any of that from the faction, the mercs, we really don't know. I think it would be really, really cool. And because this is a game and, and you've got, it's not battle tech per se. It's not like uh, you're not doing a realism sort of, you're going to have planets switching hands all the time. You know, there's going to be planets that can't be taken. I mean, I think that's the way they're going to have to s stick with it. But I think having a lot of information, like um, maybe even possibly spending sea bills to get, you know, when we don't know, maybe the logistics of the planet as far as how many mechs are there to defend. Is that like anything? Like espionage? Yeah, you know, and spending you know, maybe a spy to go in and get some information. Maybe it's successful or not. And maybe it maybe they have counter intel that like says you know that they can pay for that gives false positives as far as information that bolsters their and, that, and i think that's one of the things like when we get into faction merc if there's a planet obviously who owns it is there actual units there as far as mechs and numbers that you you know i don't want to go too far in depth that you know as far as how many are there to defend you know is there a set number once those numbers are up, that's all that's there to defend the, you know, attacking force. And then you get into having multi-stage battles. Maybe that won't happen right off the bat, but later on in introduction, I think that'd be cool. You know, instead of it just taking one battle, maybe there's a series. And then you have planning of, well, I'm invading with X amount of mechs. They're defending with X amount of mechs, you know. You get into the whole strategy, planning and whatnot. And again, this... We don't know destruction, destruction logistics. We we don't know any of that. So, yeah, let's 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 move on. We've got uh, Brian uh, Troy Mick. Uh, let's see, Mick Mahon, and he <laughs> says, McMahon. Is that how you say it? It's M A H O N. Really? Is that McMahon? yeah? It's McMahon. Okay, well, whatever. Really? <laughs> what? I mean, it says M O M A H. I mean, that's this not is my McMahon. favorite part. I'm just waiting for somebody to do a name like. <laughs> Kiss me ass or something like that. <laughs> Screw you guys. Whatever. You, you didn't know this either, Brandon. So Chairman uh, of the board. Uh, we've got if we could <laughs> change any. <laughs> if we could change any event in BattleTech timeline, say in the next ten years in the game, what would it be, and how would you change it, and why? I've got my phone ringing. All right, go ahead. Anybody want to take a stab at that? Ooh, that's a huge question. Um, that is well uh, in our timeline i would like to see my merc unit succeed so if it weren't going to then that's what i would change i think he's trying to point towards canon though i'd, yeah, I'd like I know, to but see I don't have the an um <laughs> i'd like to see the uh whole clan invasion maybe done a little bit different uh and by Plus, that by that i mean probably i don't know how i just felt it got to the point where it was kind of rushed a little bit, close to the end. So you'd like to see them take their time more? I I'd like to see them take a little bit more, maybe get some of the more world clans play. a little bit more involved. <laughs> I have no idea how to answer that, man. Well, you know, we've talked about a lot of people didn't like the Dark Age and them skipping ahead and, you know, the whole Jihad. And, you know, one of the things I've always thought that when, you when they introduced introduced the clans they hold you know the whole gist of it the clans invaded they finally stopped them or i should say comstar with this you know secret army they've been having and stuff and then star league sort of formed back up they 
basically annihilated Smoke Jaguar and, you know, uh, went back to the, the clan homeworlds. It basically got to the point to me when it got to 3067 is where do they want to take Battletech? You know, where where could they have done that wasn't repeating? You know, could they have just, you know, the clans broke and the treaty and just kept fighting? Was it they targeted another clan? They they all broke up and started finding each other. I mean, it was it was already done. You had the succession wars. I mean, you had the clan invasion of new technology. I mean, unless it was like aliens invading and how stupid of that have been. What else route could they have done or changed? And I think maybe they could have changed how the clans or what the what the outcome would have been. You know, and then that would have changed things. I mean, but you there are they a few had to things do that could have been done. Um... Just ideas off the top of my head. Do something a little more dynamic with House Merrick. Especially now that Victor was back in charge of uh, a more unified, but still not really... Because, I mean, that was a pretty bitter civil war. There's still some stories to be told about the civil war and unification and trying to get back to normal. I'm sure there are going to be some holdouts for that. Do something a little bit more with House Merrick. Maybe uh, people in Rasselag, maybe they want to get uh, a little bit of their territory back and they're agitating for people to invade the clans again. Maybe not annihilate them like Jaguar, but retake uh, some of the space that they had lost. There was still some stuff to be had with uh, Clan Jade Falcon and their refusal to honor the, uh, the ceasefire because they didn't lose. Um... <laughs> and I'm sure because there was Falcons, there has to be Wolves, and there could have been some stuff interplaying with Vlad and some political machinations on his end. I think there were still some interesting places they could have gone. I mean, it was a tough, it was a tough call because you know when, when basically the treaty happened. I mean, for those who don't follow BattleTech lore, you know, as deep as us, like basically when that treaty was was signed. Um, by the Ilkhan and then they made it it pretty much forced all the clan warriors who were present who were in the prime which if you were in your 20s you were in your prime and if you were in your 30s you were already on downhill decline and you're sort of weeded out depending on the clan it it basically made that generation and almost another whole generation behind that Pointless, or not pointless, but basically it, it ruined their whole dreams of you know retaking Terra and re you know reestablishing the Inner Sphere and the Star League. So um, I don't know if I would change anything, but there was definitely different routes they could have they could have gone. I mean, if you've read all the novels, I mean, there's so many in-depth stories. But I think the BattleTech uh, universe did sort of hit a point that it was like, well. And I understood maybe why they did the whole 70 years in the future and they sort of skipped over to sort of retell the story and stuff. Um, but it did upset a lot of people, you know. And, and as far as hardcore fans, your favorite characters were like dead or they were in their like 90s. Or died. As, yeah, as Victor or, or did. Died. And he went clans, down like a bitch. Clans were totally different. I mean. Uh, from what I've understood or from what I've been told, the Jihad, if you actually read a lot of it, it there's a lot that makes sense and, you know, the, the what happened and blah, blah, blah. But um, I think it would have just been cool just to, the clans just to said, you know, the, the Crusaders, 
Crusaders just rise up and say, screw it, we're not doing it. Keep going. And uh, instead of, because that time frame, let the Intersphere catch up. You know, th those, you know, what is it, 10 years or so? Let the Intersphere catch up. And I, I think it would have been interesting if the, maybe the clans and the Crusader side said no. If I had to do anything as far as change the timeline of the actual invasion, I might have slowed down the degree to which the Inner Sphere caught up after, say, 3050, 3052, somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, I slowed down some of the more advanced technologies that they brought in. I think it's Tech 3, we re recognize it as? Like rotary assault cannons and all these other stranger weapons. Yeah, some of the other Star League era technologies. Yeah, I would have delayed that a little bit. I would have strung out the annihilation of Smoke Jaguar a little more. I think they sped it up just so that the guys <laughs> that they were tracking for the, you know, Huntress invasion, that they could actually be saved. Because I like how they did the Huntress invasion. That, that, and they almost died. I mean, the invasion. Yeah, they us, almost died. Yeah, it was bad. Like, and the commanding uh, officer, you know, she dies. Like, the la I mean, the, the, star the dropships well, are coming down and. You know, this anyway, she dies like the last second, and you're just like, ah, oh, what the hell? Well, I mean, even the guy who spearheaded the operation died on the trip there. Yeah, Morgan, uh, I was, yep. anyways, we we're By not assassination, talk about that. but yeah, we're not gonna talk about that. <laughs> yeah, so, um, <laughs> I would have liked to have seen the, the other side of that the uh, inner sphere pushing against the Jaguar forces that were not, you know, rear line units. I think they probably should have been a little harder to knock over than they actually turned out to be. Or how about they, the Intersphere didn't band together, the clans did make it to Terra, and you had basically uh, almost a fend for themselves in a really, really bad... Uh, maybe the clans, Jade Falcon, pushed more into, you know, Davian space, and, you know, Draconis combined finally got pushed, you know, maybe even Lutheran fell. I mean, you've got a lot of stuff they could have done, and then it could have been like, you know, that, that darkest hour. You know, and you didn't really get a sense of that. You did it when the initial invasion was happening, and the Inner Sphere just couldn't do shit about it. That darkest hour of basically like, it, it, we have to band together, or it we cannot. You know, the the clans, and you never really got a sense of that. I mean, they talked about it. You know, the uh, the FRR got basically annihilated, but you never you never got a sense of they got to Terra and they started spreading out from there. And hey, if we don't do anything. Um, and then, you know, ties into the Wardens could have eventually said, hey, we got to Terra, we're not going to let you, you know, I mean, there's a lot of cool things they could have done. So. Yeah. Actually, one, one of the things you said there, PK, struck me as very interesting was the um, mention of the Crusaders saying, screw that, uh, we're going to keep pushing. And I mean, at the same time, you could even have said something like, well, at the same time, the Wardens still wanted to keep their uh, promise, so they go and start uh, like almost like a civil war. Amongst the uh, Crusaders and the Wardens. Yeah, I mean, there's, I, a, there's a ton of things. I did think of something that I would like to see change. I'll just interject real quick. This is what I'd like to see different. Is uh, in Wolves on the Border, uh, the novel. I would have liked to have seen um, Mino Minobu Tetsuhara uh, not kill himself. And like for him and Jamie Wolf to be able to go like fishing together or something and drink beers. You know, That would have been something I would have wanted to see different. Sort of like Victor and Theodore, you know, and his... Dude. Yeah, they were meant to be best friends, those guys. Yeah, and, and you know, I think it sort of, 
not not to we'll call it we'll call it a night in, in this view, but that sort of it, it, they did a really good job playing that as far as you know their enemies they they've been killing each other for literally hundreds of years but then at the end of the day they realize they're just like each other why fight you know why fight you know they they have so much to live for and blah 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 the pointlessness to it yeah 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 and i like so anyways let's move on uh we've got uh mechware living legends uh like i said props to you guys thank you for uh hosting our our logo and information on the, the home site uh we've already had uh more people uh, on our facebook and again guys give give us some feedback give us a like on there we do appreciate it and and you'll be seeing a overhaul complete um more functional definitely up-to-date dynamic uh website being developed by uh, seth um you know adam and uh, you know we appreciate MWL support, and uh, hopefully we can have later on in the near future again, and to give us some more updates on that. And uh, you know they're doing some amazing things over there. Um, to cover anything from MechWarrior Tactical Command, got nothing, um, nothing at all, nothing from last week. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> have you got? I mean, Brandon, have you heard anything? I haven't seen anything. Nothing here. Nope. You know. Um, again, uh, we haven't heard anything. Uh, I still think it's a mistake uh, for them diving for the iOS market when Battletech players... Uh, you know. Anyways. Uh, Sol Solaris Assault Tech will know and let you guys know as soon as we know. But right now, uh, um, amazing looking uh, in-game graphics. Now granted, that was 2009. It's being developed using Unreal 3. We don't know if that's going forward, backwards, cancel. We have no idea. Uh, if anything, I hope it goes forward. Anything Mac Battletech and it being successful, I'm all for, even if it's two separate things. So um, I think uh, I think that's about it. So again, hit us up on Facebook. I'd like to thank uh, Alex for taking the time to record this. And, and he puts in a ton of work doing all the editing he takes out all my ums or all our screw-ups and uh you know again thanks to him and and he takes the time to get the youtube and the music and all that in so appreciate it man and uh i think that's pretty much it for uh this week's podcast so this has been your local no guts no galaxy mechware podcast we hope you enjoyed today's podcast this is phil this is darren this is catrick hell this is greg till next time mechwarriors. warriors